the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number two is underway. Good uh, Wednesday to you. It's the fifth morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Great conversation with Jim Jordan last hour, uh, half hour. A lot of very important stuff to uh, cover there, particularly the January 6th stuff. We're going to have a January 6th focused show tomorrow. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about the uh, incident, the breach of the Capitol, the protest that turned violent, that turned, vandal- uh, it turned into vandalism, and uh, what was behind it all. Uh, to the best that we can, talking to and listening to people who are on the ground at that time, people who have inside information. We're going to try to cover it as, be- as uh, well as we can tomorrow because the left is going to continue to try to make it sound as though radical right-wing Trump supporters are violent anarchists who are responsible for all of the threats against the United States and against the government right now. That's what they're trying to do, obviously. Um, and... Quite simply, it's 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 wholly inaccurate. Jim Jordan pointed out the reality of the situation. We, as conservatives, as these radical right-wingers, always right people, condemn all political violence and protests that turn violent. We condemned everything on January 6th, just like we condemned everything that happened during the summer of 2020 as cities burned all across this country because of radical Black Lives Matter and Antifa protests, which turned into riots, which were planned riots, which is why pallets of bricks were stashed conveniently in the downtown city center so that they would have things to throw at police officers and through plate glass windows. We condemned all of it. The left defended all of the violence that happened everywhere else except the Capitol, and now the Capitol seems to be the only thing that they care about. Uh, so we're going to talk a lot about that tomorrow. But good conversation with Jim Jordan there. If you missed it, just look for the Always Right podcast page on whkradio.com, and you can hear that interview um, in its entirety. Before I go to phone calls, and this hour, by the way, is guest-free. I asked you yesterday to join me in stepping up our game, ramping it up. Be more active and not more passive. Don't just listen to the information that I'm sharing on the radio with you and nodding along privately. Be engaged. Be involved. Call 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Share the information you hear with others. Tell other people to tune in and listen and be a part of this as well. This is 2022, the year in which we, the year that we have pointed to as the year in which we pull the country back from the brink of collapse, from the brink of socialism and communism, which is being pushed very hard by the current party in power. So, uh, we've got to step our games up. So be, we are guest free. And before I go to you though, on your phone calls, 
I want to follow up on what I led the show with today, and that is the death of uh, Officer Shane Bartek and the fact that violent crime is on the rise all over America due to left-wing judges, left-wing prosecutors, districts, district attorneys, who are refusing to prosecute serious crimes and allowing people who are accused of serious crimes or even convicted of serious crimes to go free while they await sentencing or go free on probation instead of jail time, which is only serving to embolden even more and more criminals. The latest example I gave during hour number one, if you missed it, is the new Manhattan district attorney who's not prosecuting a whole host of crimes and then claiming it's going to make the citizenry safer. Also going to be uh, uh, um, uh, decreasing a number of violent felonies to just misdemeanors if they do get prosecuted at all. And this follows very similar uh, district attorney's uh, uh, policies in Los Angeles, in San Francisco, in Philadelphia, in Chicago, in Austin, Texas, where bail and sentencing guidelines have been lowered all in the name of equity, racial equity, and reform. So criminals are just running wild. So in that spirit, I want to play a little bit of investigative reporting that was done by uh, Channel 19, 19 News, about the death of Officer Shane Bartek and more specifically, about how it is that an 18-year-old career criminal named Tamara McCloyd could be free, considering she had violent crime cases in two different counties. Why has no one locked her up? And you might say, what do you mean career criminal when she's only 18? She started her violent crime career at 13. That's how she's a career criminal at 18. I'll let the reporting from Channel 19, 19 News, speak for itself. In Officer Bartek's death. Investigator Kelly Kennedy uncovering shocking new details about Tamara McCloyd's past juvenile criminal record and why the teen was not in custody. 18-year-old Tamara McLeod had an extensive criminal background even before the murder of Cleveland police officer Shane Bartek. She was wanted for a violent robbery in Cleveland and she confessed to a violent robbery right here in Lorain County. I have her plea agreement right here where she basically got off with a slap on the wrist. Judge Frank Janik signed off on this. I came to the Lorain County Courthouse to try to get some answers. Court records show Tamara McLeod committed her first crime when she was just 13 years old. Over the next five years, she would become a regular in the Cuyahoga County juvenile court system. In October of 2020, when McLeod was 17, she was accused of robbing a Lorain County man she met on an online dating site. McLeod was initially going to be charged as an adult in this case. But court documents show the prosecution decided to try McLeod as a juvenile after she agreed to testify against her co-defendants. Her charges were reduced and ultimately she did not have to serve time in jail or in juvie. We went to the Lorain County Prosecutor's Office to try to find out why the teen wasn't given a harsher sentence. We cannot talk on juvenile cases. Okay, I mean, we just want some answers. I mean, this juvenile was clearly escalating. I have her plea agreement where she confessed to a violent robbery, and she went on now, obviously. She's accused of killing that Cleveland police officer, so we just want to know why she wasn't incarcerated. We're forbidden to talk about juveniles. Just four days after McLeod's sentencing in the Lorraine robbery, 
Cleveland police say she was involved in a violent armed robbery at Happy's Pizza in the Detroit Shoreway neighborhood. And then on New Year's Eve, police say she shot and killed off-duty Cleveland police officer Shane Bartek. And now we're going to try the judge who signed off on this plea agreement for Tamara McLeod. We wanted to see if Judge Janik was available. I mean, I have this plea agreement you gave me where she confessed to a violent felony, a robbery. And obviously, you know, now she's accused of murdering that Cleveland police officer. So we just really want some answers. I mean, the public deserves to know. It seems like this could have been prevented had she been incarcerated. We cannot comment on a pending matter at this time. McLeod was sentenced to five years probation last October for the robbery in Lorraine. That was supposed to transfer to Cuyahoga County. But 19 investigates discovered the whole thing was dropped because Cuyahoga County didn't consider her a serious youthful offender. Surprising, since in June of 2020, McLeod was facing felony assault and weapons charges in Cuyahoga County. But the case was never prosecuted. The victim in that case never showed up to testify. The prosecutor's office tells me there just isn't enough evidence to try the case without the victim. I did speak with Lorraine County Judge Frank Janik briefly on the phone. We are going to try to follow up with him later on this week. Reporting in Lorraine County, Kelly Kennedy, 19 News. Under her plea agreement in Lorain County, McLeod would serve three to four years in prison, but only if she committed another serious crime. Now, it is possible she's done being tried in Cuyahoga County for murder. When that happens, she could go back before a judge in Lorain County to face that sentence. All right. So that's the report from 19 News. And I felt it was worth sharing all three and a half minutes of it because it underscores what I have been talking about. And it's something that we as citizens, civilians, should be very, very concerned about. And that is the extraordinary new soft stance on crime where everything is being diverted into rehabilitation. Everything is being diverted into uh, you know, community control as opposed to locking people up and keeping them locked up as not only a protection for the public against their violent selves and their violent acts, but also as a deterrent to other thugs, other would-be thugs. Mess around, commit a violent crime, or even commit you know a number of other crimes, and you're going in and you're going in for a long time. But this isn't being allowed anymore. Why? D-I-E, diversity, inclusion, and equity. It is not equitable to have more minorities in jail than, than, than majority whites. It's not equitable to have an uh, extraordinary disproportionate number of people in prison or in jails uh, than you know another number, regardless of the crimes that they commit. Since that's the case, we have to make sure that these things aren't crimes anymore. We dumb them down. We drop felonies down to misdemeanors. And we let people out on probation or nothing at all. And then they go out and kill cops. Shane Bartek is dead because two counties dropped the ball. And refused to do what is necessary to put a very serious violent offender behind bars. And it's happening in cities all over America. Why should Cleveland and Cuyahoga County be any different? But it's something we better start getting answers for. And it's something we better start demanding answers for. There's a new mayor in Cleveland. We know what he's all about, if you watched anything having to do with this campaign. There's a new chief of police. Somebody is going to need to talk to city council members, mayors, police chiefs, um, 
county commissioners and and talk about what DAs are doing and what judges are doing. The system is broken. A 25-year-old cop is dead because the system of, of justice is broken. All because of left-wing advocates masquerading as judges and district attorneys, prosecutors. Of this, there can be no doubt. All right, I welcome your thoughts on that as well as your calls on everything else that we have been discussing. I'll go right to your phone calls after this short time out. Right here, always right, AM 1420, The Answer. In a world gone mad. This is blasphemy. This is madness. You need something different. This is always right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1023, we do continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Take your phone calls at 216 let us go right to it. Cleveland is our first stop. Sam, you are on Always Right on AM 1420, The Answer. Good go morning, ahead, Bob. Good morning, Sam. Uh, we were talking about testing, and I don't um, know how with Biden buying half a million or actually half a billion home tests, how those are actually going to be reported back to the state of Ohio. He declared when he made it a political football during the election cycle that he was going to shut down the virus. I guess one one way to do it is to actually send the test to the people's home, which is not going to be reported to the state of Ohio, which will then reflect in the figures, correct? That's a great point I had not even considered. That is a great point. Although, by the way, I will tell you, I'm glad of that. Not not that not his you know his deception or his duplicity here, but the fact is we don't need more tests reported positive. That's what leads to the hysteria. That's exactly. what leads to the closing of buildings, closing of schools, um, mask mandates, vax mandates, and all kinds of other things. That's what I mean. I put on my Facebook page yesterday. Very simple and obvious. You know something very simple and obvious to everybody is if you feel sick. Go to the drugstore, run up to Drug Mart, get some NyQuil or something, and stay home until you feel better. Don't race to a testing site. Racing to a testing site is going to do the same thing. You're still going to have the same illness. You're still going to go get the same cold medication, but you'll be recorded as a positive test that just increases the hysteria. And that's what we have to stop. Bob, while I have you, one last thing. We know how strictly the message is being controlled out of the White House with Biden and what he says and with the fake uh, Oval Office that... Yeah. When the Let's Grow Brandon call came in on Christmas, mm-hmm. it became obvious to me it's not that he's losing it. I think he they I don't think they let him watch the news or know anything about what's going on. The message is being strictly controlled going into the White House as well. I think that's entirely possible. That's a that's a very interesting point. They may be shielding him from all of those kinds of things because they want his message being very tight, tightly delivered, and 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 of course it's only what they put on the prompter in front of him. That's why thank whenever you, he's not, thank you for the call, Sam. That's why when he's not on prompter. Um, and reporters start asking him questions, and he starts to answer them, that's when they start playing the music and ushering him off the stage or away from the podium or whatever the case may be, onto the helicopter. Um, when he starts answering questions unprompted uh, and unscripted, then he's in trouble because you're right. They may not show him things. Back to the testing issue. I played a portion of this for Jim Jordan. Let me give you the whole thing. It's only a minute and a half, but it's it's worth listening to. This is yesterday's press uh, briefing with uh, Peppermint Patty herself, Madam Circleback Jensaki. Let's be straight here for a second. Cases are rising across the country. Tests are hard to come by in many places, or there's long lines for them. 
schools are closing again or having to go virtual, and that's not just because of the weather in some parts of the country, but because of the pandemic. Uh, there is a sense among many that the country has lost control of the virus. Would the White House agree with that? We would not, and here's why. We're in a very different place than we were a year ago, Ed. 200 million people are vaccinated. Those are people who are protected, seriously protected from illness and death. That is just a flat-out lie. That is just a flat-out lie. More and more and more hospitals are reporting that their beds are filled with just as many vaccinated people because it's not a vaccine, but just as many people who have taken the profit shots as those who have refused them. And oh, by the way, the numbers are also askew because they consider people who don't have their booster shots unvaccinated. So if you've been twice jabbed by the uh, the cartel at Pfizer or the cartel at Moderna, if you've been uh, once jabbed by the Johnson & Johnson cartel, you're not considered vaccinated because you haven't been boosted yet. And so these people are, are indeed vaccinated, but they're being called unvaccinated hospital visitors or hospital patients, if you will. Because it advances their narrative. These shots are an epic fail, period. More. From the virus. Uh, we have also just purchased the largest over-the-counter purchase of tests in history. 500 million tests. That builds on the fact that we have uh, already distributed uh, 50 million tests back in December to rural health centers, to community health centers. The fact that we have 20,000 sites across the country where you can get free tests. The fact that next week people can uh, get reimbursed for their tests. And we are going- Why is the answer to COVID-19... Testing, 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 testing. Getting a diagnosis doesn't treat the illness. They refuse to make available monoclonal antibodies and other therapeutics that treat the illness. How is testing, 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 getting a handle on COVID? Because if that's all you think it takes... If that's all that the the administration thinks that it takes, then Biden is right when he says there is no federal solution. This gets solved at a state level. If you are sick, stop getting tested. Can I say that any more directly? If you're sick, stay home. Unless you got to run up to Drug Mart and get some, some over-the-counter cold medication because this Omicron that is raging through the country is a pandemic of sore throats. All right? It's a cold. It's a cold. It's not killing anyone. Go get your cold medicine. Don't go to a testing site. If you go to the testing site, they'll say you're positive and you're going to have uh, Omicron, which you're going to know because it's simple cold symptoms. And then you're going to go to the drugstore and get the same cold medication anyway. But you will have contributed to the increasing case numbers and say, oh, Ohio's reached a new high in positive cases. And then that makes everybody hysterical. Better put a new mask mandate back in the schools, close the doors. Shut everybody down. Stop testing for colds. I cannot say that strongly enough. Mike in Old Brooklyn. Let me squeeze you in before the bottom of the hour. Mike, go ahead, sir. Hey, 
Hey, Bob, quick, good story. Uh, first of all, I'm a senior citizen. I'm not a real big guy. I, I have a pleasant look about me. The other day I went into a coffee shop, nationally known, and as I walked in, I respect people. I don't wear a mask. I'm not anti-mask. There was a young, probably a freshman or sophomore in college, getting her coffee. She tasted her coffee and pulled her mask down and says, it's A's like you, referring to your backside, that keep this BS going. And she started yelling. And I said, mind your own F business. She said, what? I said, get out of my face before you get in a lot of trouble. She goes, um, I'm walking. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I said, keep moving. And I know what it was. At her college, she was told confront and challenge people. But in this particular case, I, not being very big and older, she made a mistake. She wasn't with a larger number. And she got scared, and I stopped her dead in her tracks. And it's like you say, be active. I'm not anti-vax. Right. I'm not anti-math. I want my own freedoms. And this girl, young, probably no more than 20 years old, Hopefully she learned a lesson about personal freedom. Let, let, let me, let me make sure that things. I heard you real quick uh, before you go, Mike. Let me make sure I heard that first okay. part of the story right. When she addressed yeah. you, she pulled her mask down to say that it's exactly. people like you. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, Bob, Thank you, Mike. you called me the back. You're welcome. <laughs> I appreciate the phone call. And she called you an A. I understand the word you were trying to say. But I love the fact that in order to decry you for not wearing a mask, she pulled her mask down to spew whatever viral particle she may have coming out of her mouth and her nose at you. Absolutely priceless. We'll be right back. upside down and the majority turns to the left turn to the right always right with bob france on am 1420 the answer well as far as the the election goes i think a couple things have to happen uh one is there are going to be so many people uh who are going to be watching to make sure that any concerns out there that we're on top of it you know we're watching the elections we're watching the returns we're going to be there so i think that that's number one uh, number two, in states that can, tighten up your election laws, like Georgia did. And, and that is happening around the country in states where you have Republicans in charge who actually think that you should show a photo ID if you're going to vote. I mean, it's amazing to me. You have to show uh, a vaccine passport to get a Big Mac in Democrat-run cities, but you don't have to show an ID to vote. It, make, it makes absolutely no sense. And then I think also maybe the third and most important is if Democrats-run areas if they try to change their election law in an unconstitutional fashion, like many states did in the summer of 2020, then then we have to go to court right away. The Constitution is crystal clear. It says the time, place, and manner of election law shall be determined by the state legislatures in those respect in, in each of the respective states. If they try to change that, going with some partisan secretary of state or some partisan state supreme court versus the legislature making those changes, we have to Republicans take it to federal court and get an answer. All right, Congressman Jim Jordan joined me in the first hour of the broadcast. That was just a portion of it. If you want to hear the entire thing, and I hope you do, you will log on to whkradio.com, go to the Always Right podcast page, and listen to hour number one from today. Any interviews that you miss, including Peter Kersenow yesterday, Mike Gibbons, candidate for Senate yesterday, all there on the Always Right page. Real quick story to follow up on what you just heard. 
Jim Jordan was talking about um, elections, and I asked him about election laws, and uh, you know, a number of states have done exactly what he said. <coughs> Excuse me. A number of states have indeed strengthened their election laws, demanded voter IDs, requiring those kinds of things, and and it, it just it it's one of these things that I just can't stop talking about and thinking about. What an insulting, offensive statement it is to people of color to tell them, we don't believe you are capable enough to get an ID, a photo identification, to vote. I mean, it's, it's race, racism in its purest form. It's anti-black racism in its purest form to say, that we shouldn't require voter ID laws or shouldn't require IDs for people to vote because that suppresses the black vote. It's directly saying black people aren't capable of getting driver's licenses or photo identification, which is just racist on its face. If you're black and listening to me right now and I say to you, you know, I know it's a lot harder for you to get a driver's license than it is for that white guy over there to get a driver's license and a photo ID. You should punch me because I'd be insulting your intelligence and your ability to go through life, which requires identification. It's insulting. And I, I, I thought of it again about a week and a half ago when I went to Drug Mart. I love Discount Drug Mart. I tell you about Discount Drug Mart all the time. But I went there, as I always do, and I went to the pharmacy, and I, I asked for the generic sufedrin, which is pseudoephedrine. It's a you know nasal decongestant pill because I was getting a little bit of a cold and uh, a couple other members of my family. I do it all the time. And pseudoephedrine happens to contain an ingredient that is monitored and controlled by the government because it's a, there's an ingredient in pseudoephedrine that is used in the making, in the cooking of meth. Methamphetamine labs, labs apparently, as I understand it, um, use these. And so the government controls, so if they see somebody buying a whole huge amount in a short period of time, the government can say, hey, we got a problem here. They may be cooking meth over there. They're not using it for their noses and for their illnesses. And so you have to show your driver's license, and they swipe it, and they track what medication you've bought. Now, I'm not a big fan of that, to be quite frank, but I do understand the point as they try to, you know, crack down on, on meth production. So I went there, and it just so happened I was wearing sweats, you know, sweatpants, instead of, you know, my normal jeans or something. And I did not have my wallet in my pocket. I just had cash in my pocket. I didn't Because when I wear sweatpants, I don't have a place for my wallet. It goes in my back pocket of my jeans, right? I know there's a lot of information. I'm sorry, but I'm making a point here. I get up there, and I ask for the, the drug, and they bring it up, and they say, I need to see a driver's license. And I reach down, I was like, oh, my gosh, I have sweats on. I don't have my wallet here. I couldn't get my, my, my pseudoephedrine. I had to drive home, get my driver's license, and go back up, show my driver's license, then pay for my pseudoephedrine. And as I was driving home, I thought to myself, boy, I wonder how black people get medicine. Right? How do black people get medicine? They would not sell me the drug without my driver's license. And according to the left, black people can't get driver's licenses and photo IDs. So apparently black people don't use medicine. They don't get pseudoephedrine if they need it. That's a weird, goofy thing to think about, but this is what they've done.
They've told us that requiring a photo ID to vote is racist. It suppresses the black vote because black people don't get driver's licenses. And if that's the case, then I can only draw the conclusion, as I was turned away at the window at the pharmacy, that black people can't get medicine either. And I wonder how they do. What what do you do? If you're you're, you're an African-American, what do you do? How do you get your medicine? I'm going to assume that you get it the same way I did. With your driver's license. Because unlike Democrats, I and we on the right do not think so little of you that you can't do an everyday ordinary task like going to the DMV and getting a photo identification. Either to drive a vehicle or just a simple public government photo ID. I trust you're able to do that. Because you're normal. You're a person. The left thinks you can't get one. And therefore, not only can you not vote, it's black suppression. You can't get medicine either. It's just mind-boggling to me. And what's even more mind-boggling, knowing that that's how the Democrat Party thinks of African Americans, how little they think of their ability to do something as simple as get an ID, to cast a vote, to cash a check, to open an account, to get some drugs at the pharmacy. Knowing how little they think of you, why is it that over 90% of uh, American African Americans still support the Democrat Party? That's something I'll never get. Bruce is in Medina. Bruce, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, you know, of course, part of the trouble with listening to your show, I only wanted to talk to you about two things. Now I should probably talk to you about four things. <laughs> the original thing that I wanted to talk to you about was the January 6th. And I, I am so frustrated that here we are a year later, there's people still in prison, and without saying any names, I've talked to politicians from Washington that you see on TV and said, what about this? I hear there's people in prison in D.C., and their response was, yeah, I heard that too. That's unacceptable. According to our Constitution and our Bill of Rights, the, sec- the Sixth Amendment, you you're, have a speedy trial. One year later is not a speedy trial, even if it was a criminal offense. And judges have said, this is trespassing, let them go, and yet they're not let out. What is our Congress doing? That's one of the questions. The, the other thing as far as the Omicron, I had the original uh, coronavirus. Mm-hmm. All they could do at the hospital was, con- I never went in. All they could do was say, come into the emergency room. And, yeah, I felt like crap. But all they were going to do is send me home and charge a bunch of money and say, see, our, our emergency room is filled up. That's why the emergency rooms are being filled up, because they tell people to come into the hospital. They tell people to come into the emergency room. And this is, this is just so disgusting. They don't even talk about natural immunity. And the third thing, I wonder if you could just shed a little bit of light um, this this Saturday at McBann, I hear that there's a very articulate, gregarious, informed person that's going to be a speaker there. I wonder if you could shed any light on who that person is. Those well, actually, things. actually, it's my understanding that that person had to cancel. Uh, that articulate and uh, and intelligent person had to cancel, so they asked me to fill in instead. So I'll be there. 
Okay. What about the, uh, the, the imprisoned people? <laughs> well, let me say this, my friend, and keep listening, Bruce. Thanks for the phone call. And, yes, you are correct. I will be uh, speaking at uh, Medina County Friends and Neighbors on Saturday morning at the Thirsty Cowboy, uh, an invited guest of Lisa Woods, who is, does such a wonderful job with that group. And I'm very much looking forward to uh, speaking with everyone. Um, so, yeah, if you don't normally plan on uh, going to McFan, and I know a ton of people who do, but if you don't uh, and you want to stop by and listen to what I have to say and uh, chat a little bit with me, I will be speaking on Thursday morning, 830 at the, the uh, thir- uh, excuse me, on Saturday morning, 830 at the thir- Thirsty Cowboy. Um, I completely agree. Um, and, you know, I will take a little bit of heat here. Uh, I talk to members of Congress. And I don't often enough ask them what is being done about the political prisoners being held uh, over the January 6th riot. Um, they, Like you just pointed out, they've been held for a year without charge, without trial, uh, many of them. Some of them have, of course, been let out. Some of them have already uh, uh, been sentenced. But a ton of them have not. And this is the, re- the reason why, is they are trying to sweat them to try to build a larger conspiratorial case, saying that these weren't just people listening to a speech at the, uh, you know, that the, the president gave, who then marched to the Capitol to peacefully and patriotically make their voices heard, as urged by the former president. Uh, but th- these people were all part of a giant conspiracy to try to commit an insurrection. That's the reason they're holding as many of them as possible. That's the reason they are not allowing them to have a speedy trial and just booking them on, you know, destruction of property if they broke a window or uh, petty theft if they tried to walk out of the Capitol building with something. Even though the vast and overwhelming majority of people who did go there went there and did none of those things. They walked into open doors as police officers stepped aside and allowed them to go in and take pictures and looked at you know took selfies and then left. But the ones that did do some things, rather than allow them, uh, allowing them to, you know, uh, pay their price, whether it be in terms of a jail sentence or in terms of a, of a fine or whatever, they're holding them to try to sweat them to try to get them to say anything and everything about giving up people who were part of the quote unquote conspiracy to commit insurrection. That's what I think is happening. And sadly, there is no one from Congress acting, at least to my knowledge, on their behalf. And I will have to be better. I will have to try to talk when I talk to Jim Jordan, when I talk to any other members of Congress. And I do. I will ask them more directly, what is being done on their behalf? Can you shed any light on what what can be done uh, as these people continue to be held as if they were North Korean polit- political prisoners being held, held by Jim uh, Kim Jong-un? Thank you for that great call, Bruce. Brian is in Cleveland next. Hi, Brian. You're on the air. Go right ahead. Hey, good morning, Bob. Hey, morning. Um, like I told uh, Marcy, on January 6th, I, I find it inconceivable that the Capitol building was that easily penetrated, considering you had the vice president there, you had the speaker of the house there, you had the election delegate. So there had to have been Secret Service in force. You had, you know... Congress was meeting. I, I just can't conceive how easily that building was breached. Well, and I'll tell you something else, too. If you've watched any of the specials, there's a movie called Capital Punishment I talked about a little bit last week, uh, made by uh, okay. filmmaker and actor Nick Searcy. Uh, also, Tucker Carlson did a three-part special on the Fox Nation um, uh, streaming service. You know, it's one of those pay services. But if you look at some of the real in-depth stuff that happened on the ground there, one of the other questions you would ask is, is the reason the Capitol was so easily breached because it was intended to be breached? Because you have people there who have been identified by, by, by real 
you know, Trump supporters who were just there to try to do their patriotic duty to peacefully make their voice heard, who, who were calling them out, feds, because there were people who were unknown to others ramping up, ginning up anger and saying, we're going in, we've got to go in there, let's go. And, and, you know, trying to incite the entire thing. These weren't people who were known by anybody else there to be Trump supporters who came with well, any delegations from around the country. These were people it's who were instigators. So to answer your question as to why it was so easily breached, the answer may be because it was supposed to be that there may have been feds and others who were trying to do whatever they could to try to, um, you know, destroy uh, the support base of, of President Trump. That's cool. what, what was that series called again? I'm going to look that up. Tucker Carlson's uh, is just just look Capital up on Punishment Fox Nation. No, 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 no. Capital okay. Punishment is the movie, and you can find oh, that okay. at CapitalPunishment.com, I believe. That's the movie by Nick Searcy. It costs ten bucks to watch, less than any okay. movie theater. Um, uh, it's in Capital, by the way, is like as in the U.S. Capital, C A P I T O L, Capital Punishment. And then if you just go to the Fox Nation streaming service, if you are a member of that, subscribe to that. Look for Tucker Carlson's okay. January 6th special. He had a, it was a three part series that really is not to be missed. Okay, cool. If I don't right. work, I'll see you Saturday. Thanks, Bob. Okay, Brian. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. It's 1052. Let me get Paula in here from Medina because I think Paula called us yesterday and uh, we didn't have a chance to talk to her very long. Paula, are you there? Hi Bob. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning, I'm Paul. Here. Okay. You're, let's let's talk. Let's talk about the call to action. Yes. Yeah, so call to action um, brings five regions of Ohio together to stand up and and do everything you're talking about. Um, we are having a rally, a maximum freedom rally, this Saturday at two o'clock at the Columbus State House. Five regions of Ohio are coming together. Dayton, Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, um, all over, and a lot of established groups throughout Ohio, OAMF, We the People of Canton, of course, called action um, in the five regions, uh, Bikers for Trump, uh, Karen with the Planted Flag, her Liberty Association is a sponsor, and, and many more. Candace Keller will speak, and Jennifer Gross, was scheduled to speak. I think um, a memorial or something came up for her. But um, we're going to have uh, speakers on the political prisoners uh, regarding that. And um, we're going to be talking about really who the enemy is and educating, like, the people who are behind the curve that really don't earn up to speed on that. Um, and we're going to Im- be implementing a plan to take back our liberty from the oligarchy, so we're going to have uh, speakers on that, about growing our um, liberty power in Ohio, building the three pillars of power, economic, social, and political, of course. It's going to be really great. So, you know, people from all over the state have collaborated to do this. Well, my friend, when you called yesterday, my friend Chris uh, uh, from uh, Special Effects Printing in Wellington sent me a poster of what you were talking about, and I have a lot of the information you just shared here. Groups, Moms Against the Wine, as you say, Bikers for Trump, Local Liberty Association, uh, Yellow Springs Freedom Lovers, the uh, Ohio Advocates for Medical Freedom, We the People from Canton, all of these great groups are coming. And what I love, my friend, and thank you, Paula, for the call, what I love is that this event Saturday in Columbus isn't until 2 p.m. 
That means you'll have plenty of time to watch and listen to me speak at Medina County Friends and Neighbors at 8.30. We'll be done by 10 o'clock, and then you'll still be able to make it down to Columbus by 2 o'clock for this uh, massive freedom rally. So thank you, Paula, for that great information. We'll wrap it after this. Helping you understand the commander-in-chief. In in Libya, we should be opening up the, 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 the... Always right with Bob France. I shouldn't be starting off and negotiating in public here, but let me say it this way. On AM 1420, The Answer. You know, um, when he's gone and our republic has been saved, I'm going to miss him for the comedy. I will have to say, I'm going to miss him for the comedy. I know he's only one year into his term, and in fact, not officially until the 20th, so 15 days from now will be the actual one-year anniversary of Joe Biden's uh, inauguration. Uh, So it's weird to be thinking about when he's gone, but I I think we all know he's not going to last four years. Listening to him speak, understanding the cognitive decline, understanding the ability to, or the inability to communicate effectively, he's not going to last the four years. So it's going to come sooner or later. And when he's gone, and when our our republic has been restored... Um, I'm going to miss him for the laughs. I really am. I mean, it's it's hysterical listening to this guy. By the way, speaking of being hysterical and listening to this guy, do you believe that there are still people who think that the quote-unquote vaccines uh, protect you from infection? And it's all because this guy that we laugh at said this out loud, if you recall this. Um, why can't I hear him all of a sudden? Hold on a second. Oh, I'll, I'll make it work. I'll make it work. Go ahead, Joe. The Delta virus, which is much more transmissible and more deadly in terms of non-unvaccinated people, the, vi- the, the, the various shots that people are getting now cover that. They're, they're, you're okay. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. You're not going to get COVID. He actually said that. Is, I've heard enough of you, Joe. We're done for the day. Thanks to everybody for being a part. Okay. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. You're not going to get COVID. He actually really said that. Is- I've heard enough of you, Joe. We're done for the day. Thanks to everybody for being a part of this show. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.